What we're going to do this morning is we're going to go over the mission statement of Living Spring Christian Fellowship. When you came in and as you go out over to the right side is a lit up board that has these three things, reach, restore and respond. And so as we um, are entering into Matthew chapter nine, verses thirty five and thirty six, we're going to cover two verses this morning. We're going to see how Jesus matched up or how more importantly, our mission statement matches up with Jesus's mission, uh, not, not how he matches up with ours, right? Because he does what he wants. He's Jesus. All right. So let's look in uh, Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty five. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is where we find Jesus at really, his ministry now is, is ramped up. This is it. I mean, it is in full force. Before he... People were starting to hear about him and they draw, people would come to him. They'd draw lar- he'd draw large crowds. But now he's getting this sense of urgency and he's going. He's going out into all uh, the towns and villages. The first part of our mission statement is to reach. And um, I'll give you a little insight as to how we came up with reach, restore, and respond. Uh, before I was a pastor here, I wasn't a pastor. I was... Uh, I had a job, uh, a real job, uh, not this fake pastor stuff. Um, but uh, I, I, was, I worked for a company, and I, I knew I was called to full-time ministry, uh, but I just didn't know w- w- what it was going to end up looking like, you know? And so I won't go into the whole thing, but basically this is what it looks like. Uh, and, and so I kind of let that cat out of the bag. But, um, but I, I, I desperately wanted vision from God of where, what am I, how am I supposed to lead these people? When I come from the business world to be a pastor. How do I do this? And so I began to pray and I began to meet with other pastors of identifying what is the core values? What, what is the mission of Living Spring? And of course, being, uh, you know, gung-ho about being a pastor, they all start with the same letter, uh, which is very important. Uh, and so uh, for me to remember. So... Uh, the first one, when I'd gotten, I'd kind of gotten it together and I was going over with different people about, you know, this is really what I feel like God's having us do is reach, restore and respond. And uh, one pastor I was talking to said, oh, you know, ours is receive. Uh, you know, that's our first thing to receive. We'll receive anyone that comes to the door. And I thought, oh, no, that's a good one. I like that one. I can't steal his. And I began to think about it and I realized, no, I, it's reach. Because receive means I'm just sitting here waiting for someone to come through the door. Now, listen, we're going to receive anyone who comes through those doors. We don't judge anybody or look down on anybody. We're going to receive anyone. But it has to be one other step. Reach. We've got to go. We've got to go out. Not sit here. And this is what we see here with Jesus. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. All of them. And, and you, you know... Uh, what I did, what I've done here in this particular sermon is I've taken our reach, restore, and respond. And I've kind of looked at the elements that were there in this scripture. Uh, there, there's many elements to reaching uh, for, the, for the kingdom, but I just put out two. Two elements of the reaching process. The first is action. Jesus went 
And we have to understand this, that a relationship with Christ is a moving relationship. It's a journey. It's one step after another. We're going. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't set healthy boundaries and we're just going all over the place. It means our mindset is we're here for a purpose. And even if you don't have a relationship with God, you are here for a purpose. Your job, your design, I guess I should say, is not to just sit and just let life roll over you and go, boy, gee, I wish I had a better job. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. That's not how you were designed. You were designed to go. You were designed to move. Jesus went. Now, if there was one person who didn't have to go, it was Jesus. As we've seen through these chapters coming up uh, or prior, Large crowds were coming to Jesus. It says when he, uh, Luke says that when he healed the paralytic, uh, that, um, that officials, uh, the religious from all over Judea and Galilee and Jerusalem had come to hear him speak. I mean, he had a great ministry. Everyone was coming to him. If there's anyone who did not need to go, who could just kick back, build a nice big building, kind of just wait for the people to come. He, 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 it was him. His ministry was going great. And yet he, as an example to us, goes. It's not enough for him to just sit and wait. He gets antsy. And he goes into every town and village. The second thing is acceptance. All the towns and villages. And Israel is no different than us. You had the nice towns and you had the nasty towns. You had the nice villages and you had the nasty villages. It's human nature. You know, the, the, I always crack up at, um, I forget it. Anyway, uh, it's just the way it is, right? If you live in a city, you have to, I, I knew this guy, we lived in Lakewood, which is just a common everyday town, you know, I loved Lakewood. And, uh, and so I talked to this one guy and he said, I live in Lakewood too. Uh, the nice part of Lakewood. I'm like, dude, Lakewood has a nice part? What are you talking about? I didn't even know there's one existed. Well, all the houses are the same. It's a tract city. They're all the same. You know, there's a nice part of Lakewood. But we do, we have to get that in our mind. Well, I live, you know, I live here, but it's here or whatever. You know what I mean? We, 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 we're respecter of persons and areas, not Jesus. He goes through all the towns and villages. He doesn't care if you're rich. He doesn't care if you're poor. Jesus wants to reach people. He does not care who they are. The point is, wherever you are, wherever you are in life, think of where you are right now. Jesus wants to be there and he wants to be in control. He wants to reach the people you are around. So going doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're changing your entire life. It means you change your mindset. Why am I here? Why am I at this job? Why did my kid get on this team? You see what I'm saying? So you say, man, I, I spent a lot of time on the soccer field. I, I, you know, we're a soccer family. But why did I get those, the kids that I got that I'm coaching? Why did I get those families? See, I don't do anything different. I, I'll coach the same. But, but it's part of going, man, it, it, who am I supposed to accept? Who am I supposed to encourage? Who am I supposed to have an impact on? It doesn't matter who they are. God wants to reach them. And, and you got, some of us aren't on the soccer field. We're other places. We're in the studio or we're at work or we're in school. Why did you get those classes you got? Why did you get those? Why do you have those clients? See what I'm saying? 
Reaching is just realizing that God has somewhere for you to go. He went to all the towns and villages. It didn't matter who they were. He didn't respect anyone. When I was on vacation, by the way, thank you, Tom, for filling in for the two weeks. I really appreciate it. We are... uh, Now, you just got me in trouble because he doesn't like that. And so now I'm going to get a phone call. Um, But we are blessed to have Tom, to have Nate, to have Kai, to have people who can fill in the pulpit while I'm gone. It's very awesome. So we, uh, I really appreciate that. But I was on vacation and um, I uh, love sports. I love competition. And so sometimes I'll watch this arena football. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's, it's football indoors and, um, None of the players are really that known. Sometimes you'll get one that, you know, was a, like a big boy uh, football player and went to the arena league. But I watch it to avoid having to watch baseball. And so um, <laughs> I, uh, I was watching uh, arena football, and they had these two teams, and, and they went to the championship. And one was from Philadelphia, and the other one, I think, was from Colorado. So I don't really care. I just like watching it. So we go on vacation, and we're sitting at this, like, community pool thing. And uh, I meet the quarterback for the team that won the entire arena football thing, right? So, yeah, so now all of a sudden, I'm a big fan of arena football, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm, because, hey, I'm hanging out with the quarterback, you know? We're in the jacuzzi together. What's up, my man? You know, we got, it's just, it's awesome. Learn about his kids. John Bon Jovi owns the team that he's on, you know? So, that, uh, you know, I'm just like, now I know John Bon Jovi. And it's just, I'm like, shot through the heart. Yes. So I'm hobnobbing with quarterbacks. I know John Bon Jovi. I mean, this, what a vacation, right? All of a sudden, I care about arena football. Why? Because I'm a respecter of persons. I start thinking, well, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if I could get tickets to an arena football game. We could auction that off for the church, you know. We could get new carpet and chairs in here. And I don't know, yeah, right? I, I, you guys are like, man, you're sick. I, I am. But, uh, but why? Because now I start, I don't see him as just Tony. I see him as Tony, arena football guy. And oh, wow. Jesus doesn't see people that way. He doesn't see your boss as your boss or that guy that stopped you from getting the promotion or whatever. And so part of reaching really is changing our mindset to see people for who they are. Going into every town and village, no matter where we are, seeing people for how, how God sees them. It, you see, all through the scriptures, it says Jesus was ent- uh, walking by the Sea of Galilee. Jesus was approaching Jericho. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He came to the city of Samaria. Samaria. He's always on the move, always noticing people. He takes action and he accepts everybody. I was writing in my blog this week about um, arriving. And I used to, when I used to travel, I'd take, you know, you sometimes take several flights to get to a certain city. And before 9-11, when you could do this, I'd time my flights so that there was only like 10 minutes. I'd try to, 10 minutes between when you landed and when you got on the next flight. So it felt like a nonstop for me, you know, because I can't, I'm I'm impatient. I can't stand waiting. So uh, I would do that or I'd get off the one plane and you'd have your bag and you'd just be jamming down the terminal. You know, you'd look and they'd say, you know, terminal seven. You're like, oh no, you're running. And 
And because you had a connecting flight. This is exactly what a life in Christ is like. Now, I stopped doing that because I got burned a bunch of times and spent way too much time. If you miss it, then it backfires on you and, and you lose everything. So I, I just take nonstop flights because I wanted to get where I was going. Listen, a relationship with Jesus Christ is always going, always going. There's always a connecting flight. We don't arrive, okay? There's only one time when we arrive. Jesus says, I've gone, I've prepared a place for you. There's a place prepared. That's your arrival. But until then, you're constantly on the move, constantly growing, constantly taking the next flight. You get, step off the plane, loudspeaker comes on. Here's where I want you to go. And you've seen it in your own life, have you not? Where you go, man, if only I could get over this one thing in my life. And then you get over it, and you're like, I've arrived. Uh, would John Rittenhouse please go to Terminal 9, you know, over the loudspeaker? No, you haven't arrived. You just got to this location. Now that you're here, we can move to the next one. That's part of reaching. That's part of reaching. Satan will keep you going so that you can't go. He'll get you thinking that you're so busy, you don't have time for the kingdom. And so that's the counterfeit of reaching, is being too busy. And so you go, man, I don't, there's no way. I don't have time to reach people for the gospel. Yes, you do. Look around you. Wherever you are, that's where Jesus wants to be. Wherever you are, from the boardroom to wherever, whatever the bottom would be. Wherever you are, that's where Jesus wants to be. So Satan will keep you going. He'll keep you busy. And, uh, you, know, you know, like even with us and sports, you know. If I lose sight of the fact that I'm on that soccer field to reach, it's all going to become about how well my kids did. Did we win? Who scored what goal? Who's playing what position? But that's a waste of a life. That's a life wasted. Many wasted opportunities. But if it's here I am, here's this family. Did they, did they get that problem solved with their son? What? That's not a wasted life. Second thing, after we reach, is to restore and to restore is this, this process of getting us the, where we were designed to be, okay? Look at this, Matthew 9, 35. So he goes into all the towns and villages, and then he's teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. You got that? Pay attention. I am right here, okay? Don't get distracted, Okay? This is what he's doing. He's teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. This is the kingdom. Restoration. Did you know that when humans were created, we were created to be in perfect relationship with God? There was supposed to be nothing in the way. There was no disease. There was no sin. There was no uh, tears, no upset. Nothing happened that didn't have no anxiety. That's the way we were designed. And so when Jesus comes, he comes to bring that back again. Now, we can't get it exactly as, as we had it in the garden, and we can't get it exactly how we're going to have it in heaven. But more and more, through this every journey, getting on the next departing flight, we become restored. We become uh, back to how we were designed. I, I looked up a little de de definition here for restoration. To bring back to a state of health, soundness, and vigor. 
This is what happens with sound doctrine, the preaching of the gospel and and healing every sickness and disease. To put back to a former place or a former position or rank, i.e. relationship with God. This is what this restoration process does. And so when we look at Jesus, we see these three things, these three elements of the restoration process. The first is sound doctrine. He was teaching in their synagogues. So there's a, pro, there's a part of coming together here and my job and Tom's job and Kai's job and Nate's job and Joey's job, the jobs of these teachers that are here at this church is to impart sound doctrine, things that are based on the scriptures. It's vitally important. That's what Jesus was doing in the synagogues. He would open up the scriptures. He would read a scripture. He would talk. They would get into discussion and he would bring, in his case, perfect doctrine, Right? So sound doctrines, uh, part of the restoration process. There are things in your life that will never get resolved until you start applying your life to scripture. You'll go on years and years and years and go, why can't I get over this? Why? Because you're not applying sound doctrine to your life. Okay. Secondly, is the salvation message. Not only was he teaching in their synagogues, he was preaching the good news. This is exactly, he was preaching uh, the kingdom. So this would be on the street corner. This would be on uh, a mountainside. This would be just as he's going along, he's preaching. He's teaching in their synagogues and he's preaching going, guys, you got to get right with God. This is it. The kingdom's here. This is the salvation message. And part of the restoration process has the salvation message. And then he was healing every disease and sickness. Now, when we get to this part, we go, oh, man. I was with you on the first two, but I don't really heal people that much. (laughs) So how does this apply to me? What I want us to desperately understand, all Jesus was doing was operating in the spirit the way God was commanding him to operate. The manifestation of that was healing. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? It's not that healing is the end all of operating in the spirit. The Lord may give you some gifts of healing and you may impart them. And that's fantastic. Or he may not. All Jesus was doing was he was being faithful to to sound doctrine. He was preaching the gospel message and he was operating in the spirit perfectly the way God wanted him to operate in the spirit at every moment. That's what God's calling us to do. So it might look, if this verse applied to us, it might say, and uh, Blue was, uh, you know, teaching somebody the Bible. He was sharing his faith uh, and he was going through the halls of his school, encouraging others. That would be how that might apply. Or uh, 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 Lisa was, um, you know, getting into the word. She was sharing her testimony and she was patient with the kids. You know, whatever, however the Holy Spirit is empowering you, whatever God wants you to do, that's the manifestation of the Spirit. And make no mistake, please hear me. The scripture is very clear. Every single one of you, if you are, have a relationship with Jesus Christ, has been given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You have been given, uh, that manifestation means appearing. The Holy, this verse applies to you is what it's saying. There should be some evidence in your life that, sh- that there's some spirit power there. So, how, what would that look like? Well, if you lose your job and you go, you know what, Lord, I'm going I'm to trust in you. That's operating the Spirit's power. 
If you get cut off and you go, hey, you know what? Something probably happened to them and they're in a rush. That's operating the Spirit's power. Well, if you, 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 you see a family in need and you generously give with a cheerful heart, that's operating the Spirit's power. You, you're, you're sitting there watching TV and you go, you know what, I'm going to call so-and-so because they've been down. That's operating the Spirit's power. We all have the responsibility. We all have the power. It may look different than Jesus. Okay, if I go to the soccer field and some dad's there with a broken arm, most likely I'm not going to go like that and the cast will fall off and he'll be waving his arm. Most likely what I'm supposed to do is something different, but it's the same spirit and it's the same power and I have to exercise it. And it's just as scary sometimes. Okay, so that's what we have to understand that this element of the restoration uh, process and sometimes we get lopsided. I was lopsided years ago. I focused on sound doctrine. I, I, I was heavy into sound doctrine. I didn't care about sharing my faith and I didn't care about changing my life. I cared about winning doctrinal arguments. That was my <laughs> spiritual gift. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Whoopee. Okay? How much kingdom impact did I have? Very, very little. Very, very little. I understood the scriptures. That was great. That carried on. So I guess it was fine. But then the Lord began to birth something in me about a love for the lost. And then he began to show me, dude, you don't operate at all in the Spirit's power. And I got into an argument about him, about how the Holy Spirit is supposed to act. And we... We, we got in a lot of trouble because uh, God won the argument, which was he tends to do. So I was lopsided. And so what happens is when you get lopsided, you tend to just shrink down and you have no kingdom impact. Now, listen again, please hear me. We are not designed to be the same this year as we were last year. If you look at your life, and you go, man, I'm the same. You're missing the kingdom, the Spirit's power. That's the part you're missing. You might understand all sorts of scripture. You might come to church. Or you can memorize verses. You know them before I even say them. Right? You might share your faith. Okay? But if your life is the same, you're lacking the Spirit's power. If you're doing the same things you did before, and, and that needs to change. And over the next weeks, we'll go over how we do that. But moving in the power of the Spirit means you're doing what God created you to do and you're bringing Jesus with you. You're bringing Jesus into every situation you go into. And there's going to be these three elements. You'll be in a conversation and someone will say, well, I just think that. And they'll, and they'll share some worldview. And you go, well, you know what? I'm sorry, but the scriptures say this. Now, some people get lopsided on that and they just say the scripture, the Bible says that. And they're, they're lacking the other two. But it would... you. Show through the scriptures what's going on. You share the good news that God didn't intend it to be the way you're describing. And then through the Spirit's power, you're patient and you demonstrate what a life in Christ looks like. Okay? That's just operating the, in, in the power of the Spirit. That's the restoration process. Is that we, every week, every month, every year, get, look more and more like God designed us to be. We're more humble. We're more patient. We have a deeper relationship with God. The things that weigh us down, we're throwing them aside and we're going straight toward Jesus. That's 
what the restoration process looks like. That's why we have restore in the middle of our thing. It's restore people to healthy lives uh, through uh, Jesus' son. And lastly is respond. So Jesus goes through all the towns and villages. He's preaching in their synagogues, teaching, uh, uh, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news, and healing every sickness and disease. And then it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Three things I want to talk about in this. Tom was nice enough to I would listen to both his messages, uh, which were fantastic. But he was saying that he, I guess you had him start with all the same letter like I did. And he was proud of himself for that. So now I have to take it one step higher because I'm the senior pastor and you always have to be above everybody. Uh, you know. so, so these don't all start with the same letter. They end with the same syllable. <laughs> okay. Just to shake it up a little bit. Uh, actually, it, I just couldn't figure out three words that all started with the same thing. So uh, the first is be attentive. Be attentive. When he saw the crowds. This is so important, guys. This is so important because you say you're busy. You got nothing on Jesus. He was busier than you. You lose. He was busier. Trust me. Oh, but you don't understand my schedule. He was busier. Okay. And yet, throughout that busyness, throughout all that stuff and being annoyed by the Pharisees and attacked and being hungry and going, I mean, when you're going through all the towns and villages, you are on the move, you are busy. He saw the crowds. I can go an entire day, be out in stores, the mall, all over the place and not see one person. They're all around. They're bugging. I'm annoyed by them, (laughs) right? Like, what are all these people doing on the road? My road, right? (laughs) But I don't see anybody. I can go to soccer practice twice a week and go to soccer games and not see anybody. You can go to work and not see anybody. Oh, you talk to them or whatever. I'd do that. I'd hear, I'd, you know, they'd be telling me some story. Oh, all right, okay, all right, all right. Got to get back to my work. Not hear anything, not see anything. Jesus saw the crowds. We have to allow ourselves to see the people around us, to really see them, to really remember their names, to really remember what they're going through, to really acknowledge their existence. Part of responding, I mean, after we reach and, and, we're, and we've, we're being restored, part of that is, well, as we have the Spirit's power, we're sensitive to the Spirit's heart. And we begin to notice things we didn't notice before in people. There's 1.1 million people in Garden Grove and the surrounding cities. 1.1 million. There's plenty to go around to notice. It's our job to notice them, to be attentive. Here's how, here's a little test on how you know whether your schedule is from the Lord or it's from your flesh or the enemy or whatever. If you're not noticing people, there's something wrong with your schedule. There's something wrong with your mindset. In my own life, if I don't notice my neighbors, if I don't notice, you know, get over there, talk to them or do something to acknowledge their existence, there's something wrong. 
You say, well, I'm not designed that way. Neither am I. Honestly, to be honest with you, if I had my way, Lisa will tell you this, I would go to my kids' sports games, I'd sit over in the corner, I'd have my camera, I'd have a video camera in one hand, my still camera in the other, I'd have a bag of chips and a Starbucks. And I would go through an entire game and be as happy as a clam. I would. That's my personality. I've had to work hard to get to where I can just walk up to somebody and go, hey, how you doing? That doesn't come naturally for me. But it's gotten way easier. It is very easy for me to walk up to a neighbor on the street. Hey, my name's John. I live in the street. Why? Because I just have done it so much. It's not part of my nature. Trust me. Uh, give me a remote control and a, and, a, and, a, and a couch and I'll just be fine. <clears throat> but God's changed me in that. Be attentive. The second is be sensitive. So what happens? He not only sees the crowds, because sometimes we'll get to there. Okay, I see my neighbor. I know him. His name's Tom. I got this, blah, blah, blah. I know all the kids on my team. I know all their parents, whatever. But he felt something. He saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. That is a very key indication that the spirit of God's moving in your life. When you begin to go, man, oh, you begin to hurt with them. This word compassion is a rich word. I've talked about it before, but it literally means you hurt in your bowels. We would say, I'm sick to my stomach. Have you ever dealt with somebody and you hear some news and you just go, oh man, you gotta be kidding me. That happened. You just feel sick. That's what having compassion is like. And Jesus has them on the crowds. And listen, the crowds weren't the greatest people in the world. <laughs> they were just like the crowds we have today. Some were annoying and obnoxious and were yelling things out. But Jesus had compassion on them. Now listen to this. I was reading one commentary that just floored me. And they were talking about, you know, when you, when you feel this compassion, you feel sick to your stomach. He said, now take God who loves eternally and perfectly and with all power and he cares deeper than anybody can care and stuff him into a body. And imagine what that would feel like. I mean, I, sometimes I feel compassion. I'm like, oh man, that hurts. But I don't feel compassion the way God feels compassion. And Jesus was, he sees the, the, the crowds and he just aches for them. That's what responding to the Holy Spirit looks like. We say in our mission statement, we respond to a move of the Spirit. The Spirit is always on the move. Are we going to catch it and go, oh, man, that person in my office. Really see the boss the way God sees him. Really see that coworker, that annoying coworker that doesn't do anything and still gets paid. Can we see him the way God, can we feel compassion? Can we start to see them the way God sees them? We're sensitive. In Luke 19, it says, Jesus approached Jerusalem and he saw the city and he wept over it. He wept. And here's what he said. If you, even you, if you'd only known on this day, what would bring you peace? But now it's hidden from your eyes. That is the source of compassion. We see people around us and we go, if you only knew what I know. And then our life must represent what we know. It must represent, yes, you, oh, if you only had this relationship I have with Jesus. That's a response to the Spirit. Jesus uses that word compassion when he talks about the prodigal son. The son leaves, and when he's way far off, way far off. Wow, uh, I've been hanging around my kids too long. Uh, 
when he's like way, so way far off. Uh, the father sees the son and he feels compassion and he runs to the son. It's used when they talked about the slave that's in debt to the king. And the slave goes over and says, I can't repay you. And the, the king feels compassion on that. He hurts in his bowels. Um, it's used when, um, on the Good Samaritan. When the, good Samar- when, the, when the guy's lying on the road, the Good Samaritan feels compassion. These are the things that are used. The most important thing is there needs to be a response. We need to ask ourselves, am I noticing? Yes. Am I, do I care? That's the second question of responding. Listen, I notice people a lot and sometimes I just don't care. And the Lord has to reprimand me. God, I'm too busy. If you, listen, guys, the day living spring is too busy for people. We got to just shut it up. Close the doors, rent it out to some other church and go find some place we can care, right? That's why I love this church. We are all about people. We, you see it. We don't care who comes through those doors. We got to keep it up. Got to keep it up. Got to keep being sensitive. The third thing is be perceptive. See, they all, they're all IVE. This is brilliant stuff here you're, you're seeing here. I mean, if someone comes to fill in, they're not going to be able to keep up with this kind of stuff I'm doing here. Uh, I'm uh, well, of course, of course, I'm kidding. Um, be perceptive. Okay, so I see my neighbor. I'm, I'll just use my neighbor as an example. And I feel something. And then what do I do? See, Jesus saw the crowds. He felt compassion. And he noticed, you know what they're like? They're like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed and they're helpless. That word harassed means exhausted in the Greek. They're exhausted and they're helpless. It means pushed down. Every time they're, they're like sheep that are exhausted. And every time they try to get up, somebody pushes them down. See, Jesus was perceptive. He sees the crowd and he feels something. He goes, I know what they're like. They're like sheep without a shepherd. I see for the people around us, we need to notice them. We need to feel something and go, you know what? I know. I, I understand where they're coming from. Maybe I could do this, or maybe I could do that, or maybe I could have so-and-so call them, or maybe I could invite them to church, or maybe I could do this. It's perception. Now, our perception, if, if we notice by the Holy Spirit and we feel by the Holy Spirit, our plan's going to come from the Holy Spirit, is it not? So you say, I don't know how to talk to my neighbor. Don't worry about it. Notice them, feel something, Begin a conversation and you are going to be blown away about what happens, how the Holy Spirit gives you perception. I was we were doing a, some work on our house in in Lakewood. And I, I don't know if I told the story or not. I apologize if I did. But um, we were doing some work uh, on the house and this guy, a neighbor came and was asking questions about why I don't know what I'm doing. And because uh, I really didn't. And uh, so he comes in and, and we just start, I just start sharing him just, I don't know how it started out, but we just started talking about God. And he said, oh yeah, I know about that. You know, my sister is crazy. I'm like, oh, she's a believer. I didn't realize that. He's like, no, she's crazy. She, and he goes into, you know, whatever. She's involved in another denomination. Who cares, right? So we start talking and I can see the Holy Spirit has been on this guy for weeks. Now, who saw that? Did I see that? No, 
I wanted to get back to my job of what spackling or whatever that should have been done in 10 minutes. It takes me a day and a half. Right? I wanted to get back to that. I had things to do. There was an inspector coming and all this. I remember I'm like, ah, oh. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to just take this opportunity. So the Lord began to reveal these things to me. And he said, what, what happens if, if I accept Jesus and my wife doesn't? I'm like, man, what a good question. You know, I don't know. I don't know. How am I supposed to know? And so, like, just like a flood, the Lord told me, well, he's going to be a better husband. I said, well, you're going to be a better husband. So who really cares what your wife does? You're going to be a better husband. I'm like, wow. I didn't think about it that way. I'm like, neither did I, dude. I just, <laughs> I just got these little signal things coming in right now. Right? I'm just as shocked as you are. Right? Is that because I'm so spiritual? No. No. It's because at one stinking point in my life, I chose to be obedient. And the Lord said, yes, that's exactly what I want. Here's some perception to go with that on how to reach that guy. See what I'm saying? There's a response to the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, see, the thing we have to understand, Jesus says they were harassed. If anybody was harassed, it was Jesus. I mean, think about it. What is going on in a spirit-filled life when you can be attacked and berated and and people are absolutely out to get you. They're planning. None of, I love you guys. I love me. Okay. None of us are that important that anyone's sitting in a room and plotting against us. Okay. I know it sometimes it feels that way, but it ain't happening. Okay. Maybe you got a weird brother-in-law. I don't know, but no one's doing it like it was with Jesus. They, they, they were just constantly on him. When he was doing the right thing, he was harassed. And yet, through it, he sees other people as being harassed. I know I told this story. I used to go to a junior high where I, I was the minority at the junior high. Uh, um, and so uh, there was just many races and just not many of mine. And, uh, and so I was harassed. I was picked on, Right. And, and, but I also had a big mouth, <laughs> which surprise. <laughs> and, uh, so I deserved it a lot. Right. And so, so I would go through school and I'd get hit and pushed and all this kind of stuff. And, um, looking back, what the Lord did in my heart was realize they were harassed. There was something that was happening through whatever, wherever you are in the political spectrum, uh, where this is stuff that's been going on for a long time. And the Lord began to give me just a passion for, I love diversity. I love it. I love it. I love diversity. It just, I, I love every single thing about it. And the Lord had to change my heart because I was just focused on how I was harassed in junior high. I didn't realize they were harassed. And I began to do research and do reading and understand. And the Lord began to open my mind. And look, we're all harassed, guys. But in Christ, none of us are helpless. 
See, Jesus sees they're harassed and they're helpless. You can be harassed all you want. You can you do whatever. You can get involved in arguments and people don't like you, whatever. But you're never helpless in Christ Jesus. How do I know that? Because the 23rd Psalm talks about what it's like to have a shepherd. He says they're sheep without a shepherd. We're going to, the worship team would come forward. I, we'll, uh, I want to end with this. We're going to go into a slower time of worship, but... Listen, the Lord is my shepherd. And this is what happens when you have a shepherd. This is why you may be harassed, but you can notice other people being harassed because you're not helpless. Some things that happen when, when, you, when you have a shepherd. Well, I shall not be in want. That's not helpless. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. We have a leader who leads us beside quiet waters. We have someone who restores our soul. Here's that word restore again. We have someone who guides us in paths of righteousness. We should fear no evil. He's with us. He's got a rod and a staff that comforts us. That means he knows where he's going. He's got a, a, a way to protect us and a way to guide us through difficult places. He prepares a table before us. He anoints our head with oil and our cup overflows. And surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life. And we will finally arrive. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that is the kind of life that we have in Christ. That is the type of relationship that is offered to all of us. And that is why we reach, because we say, look, this is what it's like. And that's why we involve ourselves in this restoration process to get rid of the sin that so easily entangles us. And we run with endurance the race set before us. And that's why when the Holy Spirit says, hey, I got someone I want you to talk to, we go, who is he? I'm ready. Give me the words to say. We are not, we are not.